Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, my, my, my. I want you to know something exciting. You're all winners today. <laughs> if you know Jesus as your Savior, amen? No not a loser in the bunch. We want to remind you that this is an exciting week here at Trinity and in the community. This coming Friday, we're going to be doing a public witness in the Grove City Christmas Parade. And we have some people signed up, and we, need, we have some others that will be riding on the church van if it's repaired. And uh, we got to push it. I, that, well, we could make it like reindeer. We could have all the the. the we yeah, I know we can only have so many people, but we could we could pull it like reindeer. I'll I'll pass on that. But for those of you who are not aware, those who are watching on live stream hadn't heard this. Last week, our our neighborhood vandals drilled a hole in the gas tank of the church van. And right now, the, the bill stands at about two grand for the towing and the repair. So we're hoping to have it back this week. So you pray along that. Also pray that uh, the gas is bad gas for the people that stole it. And, uh, all kinds of fun. But we're, we're excited because it doesn't matter what they do to us. We're going to keep preaching the gospel here. Amen. We're going to be a witness in our community, and we're going to be talking about that because there's a, the fields are white unto harvest, Jesus said, and we need to be about harvesting. We're all in this, this whole month looking at missions and touching lives with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so if you've not signed up, we only have a few. I think we only have, we don't have any spots left, do we? We're, we're all filled up, but we'll be giving you the information, those who signed up, on how to show up and where you'll get your costumes and all that for the parade. It's going to be an exciting time. If you can't be in the parade, be on the sidelines watching the parade and cheering on your brothers and sisters in the faith as we proclaim a witness. A banner will be in front and people will be in, in Bible costumes. Jesus the reason for the season. And we want to share tracks and information and candy with them along the parade route. Let's pray right now as we begin today's service. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity that is afforded to us to proclaim publicly the real reason for the season we enter. We ask, Father God, that you would touch hearts, that you would remind those that may have drifted away from you what Christmas is really all about. That you so love this world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We pray, Father, for an opportunity to share your word, to plant a seed about the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, that it would find open hearts today and in the week to come, that as we minister this whole month, that you would be glorified, that lives would be touched and changed for eternity. We'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
Let's stand together and begin to worship him. Shine on me, 
good morning. I hope you're awake now. <laughs> it's wonderful to be back at Trinity today. Good morning. And if you're a guest with us today, Grandpa Mark, if you're a guest with us today joining us for your first time in person or on the live stream, we just want to thank you and welcome you to Trinity. Um, but if you are a guest and this is your first time, slip up your hand and this dashing handsome fellow will hand you an information card. Um, please just fill that out. That way we can keep in contact with you and you can keep up to date with things that are happening here at the church. So if we could get a round of applause for all of our guests today. Um, I, I love McDonald's breakfast. I love their, their bacon, egg, and cheese bagels, as you can tell. Um, and I went there and got some breakfast this morning because I was a little hungry, and it just didn't taste the same. Um, my Buckeyes have, have once again lost to that team up north, and I was very sad. Um, but I was reminded that Jesus is still King of King and Lord of Lords. Amen? I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving week and was able to spend quality time with friends and family. Um, I was able to do so and it was much needed. Um, and this was not really on my mind, but it just so happened that all the kids were down here today. And so I would just like to personally thank each and every one of the students for allowing me to be your children's pastor and just be able to pour out in you guys every week and it really touches my heart and has moved me so much. So thank the kids. The children are also working very, very hard on our Christmas play that's coming up here in December, um, and we're so excited for that. So all the children and the parents, we appreciate um, your willingness to let them be in the play and helping us with that. Um, I know it's you know, some difficult scheduling from time to time, but we appreciate all of your dedication to that. As mentioned before, you know, I have these announcements and they get stolen from me from time to time. Um, but as mentioned before, we have a Christmas parade on Friday. Um, so if you're able to come out and support the church, we'd love to have you. We'd love to see you um, at 7 p.m. Um, supporting us from the sidelines like uh, Pastor mentioned signups are kind of already set in stone, um, but we would love to have you come out for that. If you're available to join us Wednesday, we didn't have services this past week because of the holiday, but if you're able to join us for Wednesday morning Bible study, it will be at 10 a.m., and then at 7, we have evening services for all ages. So if you're able to come out and join us for that, we would love to see you, love to have you out for that. My throat's dry. I apologize. Um, Pastor, if, if you want to come up for offering. Announcement I asked you to make, but I'll take it. Since I took one of yours, I'll, I'll take another one. This evening, 5 o'clock, we are having a tradition that we do here. We want to gather as a church family youngest to the oldest and every age in between, and we deck the halls. We uh, bring out the, the wreaths and the trees and all the different things 
so that everybody who comes in gets a witness when they see the, the decorations during the holiday season and remind them the reason for the season is Jesus. And we need you to come out and help us tonight. At 5 o'clock, we're going to gather down in the fireside room. We're inviting you to uh, bring some snack foods, some finger foods, some... Well, I'm going to bring some White Castles, but that's just me. But uh, pizza, whatever. And we'll have a little bit of a snack time and have a word of prayer. And then we're going to decorate the sanctuary first and then lobbies and... Uh, different other locations in the in the church for the holiday season you say well pastor i really just can't do a thing uh well you can sit and cheer us on it'd be good to see your smiling face and just uh we're gonna have some christmas music on and you can sing along with that we just want to have everybody from the youngest to the oldest come out and help us decorating you can have a part of the witness that goes out during this whole time also, it blesses those who are watching on the live stream to see the decorations as well. As we remember the symbols of Christmas, the, the colors, the red, reminds us of the blood of Jesus Christ who came to die as our sacrifice upon a tree. And he, he came in great love for us. And we want to rejoice in that during this holiday season. Join us tonight at five o'clock for a, a snack and then we're going to decorate and i've already found out that doing the high wire act again this year is uh michael he was getting warmed up with his sound effects for it yes. praise god we need your help we need your help can't do it alone right now i'm going to ask the ushers to come and wait upon you as we give our tithes, our offerings, our gifts of love to the Lord. And as we do so, we'll be talking about this a little bit later. In your bulletins today is a faith promise card. All this month, we're looking at missions and how that we can be a part of it. And we'll be talking about that in a little bit. So hold on to that for the end of the service. And uh, we'll be apprising you about faith promises for our missions giving. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity to praise you. We praise you with the lifting of our hands, with the clapping of our hands, with the singing of praise. And now we praise you with our gifts. We're reminded that Jesus was watching over the treasury about what was given and how it was given. And even the smallest mites from the widow caught the gaze of Jesus and he praised her for her sacrifice. Father God, watch over our giving today. Let us give that others may know the glory of God, the salvation from sin, and eternal life through Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen.
Christmas pajamas out already. I'm going to wear my a Christmas shirt tonight. It's kind of a prophetic shirt. It's referring to St. Nicholas, but also it simply says a big glaring St. Nicholas who said, he knows. He knows if you've been, <laughs> whatever you've been doing. He knows. I saw a post the other day. Someone said, Santa Claus has been watching your Facebook posts, and many of you are receiving a Bible and a dictionary for Christmas. We have been, yeah. <laughs> We've been looking at missions this entire month. Thinking about the different aspects of it, the great command, the great commission, mission impossible in our own strength, to take this gospel to the whole world. If you weren't here that Sunday, we were looking at the fact that Jesus spoke to about 120 folk, about the size of our congregation this morning, and said, oh, by the way, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell every person about the Savior. Now, if it was a big job back then, it's an even bigger job today. But Jesus preceded that statement by saying, all power and authority has been given to me. Because of that, you can go into all the world and preach the gospel. Not because of us, but because of him. We've also looked last week at the weeping. Weeping over the lost. Jesus wept as he entered Jerusalem and said, Oh, how often I've wanted you to draw you to myself, but you would not. And Jesus is still weeping over the lost, but are we? It's not enough to just be concerned. It's not enough just to give. We have to be so concerned that we take on the nature of Christ and we're weeping over the lost. Praying for them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not about programs. It's not about uh, stats and numbers. It's about caring for those who are ready to go to an eternity without Christ 
and caring enough to take the word to them or send the word to them. Today, in our final message on missions for the month, I invite you to stand with me. I'm going to see how talented you are because I'm going to have you turn to two portions of Scripture and opposite parts of the Bible. I know some of you will not be able to hold your Bible and do these things. So at least get one in, okay? And some of you are a little slow on the draw, turning pages. You might want to start with the second one and have it ready to go. First of all, if you turn to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. And for those who are up to it, also turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Two portions of Scripture, Genesis 8, 22. I know it's complicated. Luke 10, verse 2. Genesis 8, 22. Anybody there yet? All right. While the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat winter and summer and day and night shall not cease but only as long as the earth remains amen and then Luke chapter 10 and verse 2 then Jesus said to them the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Heavenly Father, help us today to learn the laws of the harvest, your harvest. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture from Genesis reminds us that from the beginning of time when God created the heavens and the earth, he set in motion seasons and times that continue to this day. Now, across the world, there are different times and seasons that are not harmonious one with another, but there is seed time and harvest all across this world. Even in the frozen tundra, tundra, there is a season. There are things growing that you can't see, that are underneath, that you can't get to. But God's laws are still in effect today. Before I go further, all of his laws are still in effect today. They have not run out or expired. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. We need to settle it in our hearts. His laws are still in effect. God made seed time and harvest. He set it in motion. 
it continues from the, the time of his creation where he created plants and trees with seed in them to pass on. I always find it interesting that he did not create a seed. He created plants that were already bearing seed. And so he created his creation with time already in it. So if you're ever wondering how they get these, all this time uh, that they suggest was involved in creation, God just put it in there at the beginning. And it's been there all the time. The Bible tells us much about seed time and harvest. We see it interwoven with stories when the seed isn't planted, when the seed is planted, but adverse conditions come, when the harvest is not gathered into the barn, all of these things are interwoven into Scripture. And many of the parables that Jesus spoke relate to seed time and harvest and the laws of harvest. Now, growing up, I was raised in the north part of Columbus. Now, the kids at the church I was raised in, it was an inner city church, uh, thought we were a bunch of farmers on tractors out where I lived. Uh, we have some veterans here in the building from Mifflin, but they won't admit it. <laughs> when I'd go to church, they would say, did you drive your tractor to church, Keen? Lovely friends, lovely friends. I didn't have a tractor. We were not out in the country, so to speak. We had a little bit of property, about an acre, but I didn't know a thing about farming. Not a thing. I, I, I'd heard about farming. We had a garden once, but that's not the same thing. I didn't learn anything at all about farming until my first church. I was called upon to be the pastor. Linda and I were called to be the pastor at Sugar Tree Ridge United Methodist Church. And there's going to be a, a picture on the screen of it in just a moment. It's not loading. Well, when it loads, somebody shout amen. There it is. <clears throat> a little tiny country church. Actually, I pastored three churches at the same time. Uh, Sugar Tree Ridge was the largest. We had about 65 or 70 people. And then I had Saunders Chapel with 14. I had Fairfax with 25. And I had to go 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 11 o'clock, drive in between all three of them. Amen. Amen. Now, this young couple... That you see before you is uh, myself and my my lovely wife who is expecting a son named Philip at the time and we're standing in front of a little white country church called Sugar Tree Ridge our parsonage was right across the street we had a, a picture window that viewed Sugar Tree Ridge Cemetery right across the street. The church on a, on a packed out Sunday would seat over 100. 
But most of the people in that church were farmers. I didn't know a thing about farming, and I didn't know a thing about farmers. I learned some lessons very quickly. It was a real education to me. I, I First of all, one of the big lessons I learned, it wasn't a law of harvest, but I learned the lesson that if you are driving down the road and you see a cow or a pig that has gotten out from an enclosure, if you don't stop, and try to get it back inside the fence. And anybody finds out, they'll never listen to another word you say. Because you have just cost them much money. Because you didn't care enough. I remember, these are before cell phones, I remember being out on my way to Saunders Chapel in the morning at 9 a.m. And I am praying the whole way. Are you praying for the service? No, I'm praying for no cows, and I'm praying for no pigs. And God was gracious. I didn't have to stop a single time. I'd been warned. Carissa was doing a search for some of, there it is, was doing a search on the Internet for photos from Sugar Tree Ridge, found out that it's been closed several years ago. Many of the farmers have died and gone, and there's not a real community there. But she did come across one interesting thing. She found a notice from a family who was celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, and they were married at Sugar Tree Ridge Church. 50 years ago and they listed the pastor's name I don't remember them at all but as I worked with these farmers I learned some principles and some concepts about farming and the harvest and I want to share some briefly with you today, and corresponding with the fact that the Lord has a harvest that he wants to bring in before it's too late. Five basic laws of the harvest. The first one is, if you don't plant the seed, you won't reap a harvest. If you don't plant the seed, you're not getting a harvest. Tell somebody beside you, if you don't plant the seed, brother, you're not going to get a harvest. Jesus talked about it in, in Matthew 13. He said, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it. Some fell on stony places where they could not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, and because they had no depth of earth, they wasted away. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. 
but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then Jesus called his disciples. They said, why? Everybody knows that. Everybody's seen that. He says, wait a minute. I'm telling you something here. The seed is the word of God. Amen. The seed is the word of God. And we know who the living word is. Amen. His name is Jesus. The seed was sown wherever, however, whenever the person went. And the, the sower was not responsible for what happened after the seed was sown. It fell on some good ground or bad ground or stony ground or thorny ground. That's not the issue. If the seed isn't sown, there will be no harvest. If we're not sowing the seed of God's word, there's not going to be a harvest of souls to bring in. Jesus said the seed is the word of God and wherever, whenever, however, to whosoever, the seed must be sown. He spoke about those different kinds of soil, but he made it very clear the problem is not with the seed. It's good seed. It's good seed. He knows human nature. If the seed doesn't grow, it must be the seed's fault. He's letting us know the seed's good. The Word of God, Jesus, is good. Amen? Amen? And when we sow that seed, we water it with our tears and with our prayers and with our giving, with our finance. We sow that seed. And it's up to other forces than us for the harvest to come. You and I do not control the harvest, except if you don't sow the seed, you cannot reap the harvest. How do we sow that word, that seed, wherever? In our conversations, in praying for others, sowing the seed through the live stream, welcoming people to church and getting involved in their lives and letting them know you're there for them, to pray for them, to encourage them. A word, a call, a card. Acts of Jesus' love help sow the seed. But if you don't sow the seed, guess what? You can't reap the harvest. If we don't sow the seed... There can't be a harvest of souls. You see, if the seed doesn't leave the barn, you're not going to get a harvest. Now, this is a nice facility, but if all we do is store the seed here, we're not going to reap a harvest. Consider yourself a big old lumpy bag of seed for a little bit. And if all you do is stay here, well, here I am, I'm in church. Well, praise God for that. We're glad to have you. Welcome home to Trinity. 
But if we keep the seed of God's word here, and all we do is bless ourselves and be happy in our, in our joy, we sing the songs, but we do not take the seed of God's word out from this place through our living testimony, through our witness, through our walk, through praying for others, through opportunities, we will not reap a harvest of souls. A barn full of seed does not equal a field full of harvest. Right in this sanctuary, how many of you have a Bible, your own personal copy of God's Word? Can I see it? How many of you have it on your phone? Hold it up. You were playing solitaire or something. Hold it up. And in front of you, in the seat in front of you, there are some Bibles that we've put in, the, in there. But you know what? All of these Bibles, all of this compounded Word, if it stays in the barn, there will be no spiritual harvest. See, when we send missionaries out, we're sending seed out through our finances, through our prayers, through our giving, through our association with them. I had a call this past week from a couple of our missionaries, and we have a, one missionary is going to be staying up in the apartment for a year. We have others that are booking for 2025, you know, to have their spot. We have some missionaries going to be here in the spring in the, in the missions house. And in co conversing with them, they're facing many challenges, but they're sowing the seed that we sent with them through our prayers, through our giving, through our finances. They're sowing the seed. We're not just keeping it all here. We're sowing it around the world. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But say it again with me. If we don't sow the seed, we cannot reap the harvest. But pastor, they, I've, I've tried to tell people and I've tried to share with people and they don't want to hear it. You're not responsible for that. You're, that's not your responsibility. How many of you ever tried to talk somebody into something and they said, no? Nah. Never happened, never happened. Yours is the responsibility to sow. The sower was just broadcasting, sowing the seed wherever he went. It wasn't his call. He didn't go out and place it individually. He sowed the seed. Some fell on the road that he was walking on. He just kept sowing the seed. He didn't stop to brush it off. He just sowed the seed. His responsibility was not to place it, but to sow it, to broadcast it. And once it hits the ground, other forces take over. Have you ever been at a place where you've seen a nice, nice sidewalk and in the middle of that sidewalk, re weeds growing up? Any of you seen that? It, it looked impossible, didn't it? But up through the middle of that solid concrete sidewalk, a weed. How did it do it? It started off as a little seed, a little root, but it grew where it was planted. Don't worry about where you're sowing the seed. Sow the seed. Because if you don't sow the seed, 
You can't reap the harvest. Sow it where you can. And if they won't listen to you, live it in front of them. And they cannot deny a personal testimony of a life well lived in front of them. They can try to say they can't see it. The best testimony of this is Stephen and Paul. Stephen shared his testimony about Jesus Christ, started from Abraham and went all the way through. They took him out and stoned him. A little boy, a little young man was holding the coats and he was cheering on the people who stoned Stephen to death. But every time he shares his testimony, Saul said, I was consenting unto his death. But then I met Jesus on the Damascus Road. The seed had been sown and he saw a life that lived it and he never got over it. Share the word, speak the word, and live the word in front of people. They can't shake it. They can't get away from it. You re you're rejected by them. They say mean things to them, to you. But they can't get away from the fact that you've sown the word and it's living out in front of them. Water it with your tears. Sow the seed. What people do with the seed is not your problem. The seed is good seed. It's good seed. Jesus is the living word. It's good seed. Not your responsibility. Jesus does not need your help to be Jesus. Amen? He doesn't need your help. He, well, you know, I'm going to vouch for him. He doesn't really need that. Just live for him. Sow the seed. Jesus can pretty well take care of himself. If he could conquer death, if demons run at a one-word statement from Jesus, I think he can handle himself. When people say, I don't want to hear the word, it's going to get at him from the inside because you've sown the word. But if you don't sow the seed, you're not getting the harvest. Sow the seed. Now another thing I learned there at Sugar Tree Ridge among the farmers, and also there were farmers at Fairfax. They were dairy farmers, and, but they had fields of product with which they fed the cows. Uh, I learned a lot of things from these people, and I'm just trying to boil it all down. A second basic rule of the harvest is you work no matter what. You work no matter what. But it's raining outside. You work no matter what. Now, I was kind of delusional when I went to Sugar Tree Ridge. I thought that they just made hay while the sun shined. They, they just did it in the good weather in the summer. They were waiting on the spring. They were doing nothing. Just uh, what, a, what a job. They did nothing all winter long until it was ready to go into the field. No, every day they were out doing something to prepare ultimately for seed time and harvest. Well, what could they be doing in the snow of winter? 
They were inside making sure that all their equipment was ready to go. In the muddy times, before it was time to sow the seed, in the early spring, the rains were torrential. What were they doing? They were making sure that their plow was not going to break on a rock. They were out in the slime of mud pulling rocks out and getting ready to sow the seed. You work no matter what. You don't just sit back and say, well, someday, I'm, I'm, when the time's right, when I'm ready, I'm going to... No, successful farmers were working year-round with their eye upon the harvest. Nice days, lousy days. Hot days, frigid days. Year-round, keeping their equipment ready to go, making sure that everything, the fences were up and the, and the equipment was ready to roll, making certain that all the issues that they had were ready to be utilized when the time was right. No matter the weather, frigid cold, blazing hot, diluge of rain or two feet of snow, didn't matter. Dry as a bone, soppy as a swamp. They were working. They were working. Such a work ethic they had. You could tell those farmers who didn't have a good work ethic because they weren't farmers anymore. They had no boss over them. They were their own boss, but they had such a work ethic, I couldn't even imagine it. I remember one fella, last name was Sonner. He was one of the leaders there in, in the church at Sugar Tree Ridge. And he had this rumpled old hat. I mean, the thing was threadbare. He wore it on a slight tilt. And every time you saw him with that hat, he was working. Now, when he, he wouldn't wear it to church. He wouldn't wear it to a, a, a dinner at the church. But if you saw the hat, Brother Ernest was working. And he, he didn't do it fast, but he plodded along all year long. You saw the hat. He was working. Folks, sowing the seed and having a harvest is hard work. You may be a little rumpled yourself. You may feel a little threadbare yourself. But if you're, if you're going to have a harvest, you've got to sow the seed. And it takes hard work. There are obstacles that come in sowing the seed. John chapter 16 says this in verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. That's the biggest unclaimed promise in the Scripture. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 says this, Yes, and all who desire to live 
Godly in Christ. Anybody here desire to live a godly life in Christ? Anybody at all? A few of us. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's hard work sowing the seed. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for your sake? We're hunted all day long. It's hard work. And there are adversaries against you. Obstacles to sowing it. But you gotta keep working no matter what. I come to you today a, a discouraged individual. I'm just being honest. I'm discouraged. Boy, did I want to go to Israel this year. I worked hard. Had a great group together. But forces outside of my control have made it so that we have to, we have to cancel. The people at the insurance and at the, the Journeys Unlimited are working to get everybody their refund back. But I've been bummed out for a couple weeks because I knew it was coming. Discouraged, disappointed. But I came here today because I have a message from the Lord for you. Keep working no matter what. You're having a bad day. Oh. You're discouraged. Oh. Oh, it's not that I don't have sympathy. But sometimes rain or shine, storm, sleet, hail, high winds and disasters, you keep plodding on. Because if you don't sow the seed, you can't reap the harvest. And you got to keep working no matter what. He said, but pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. Probably not. But I'm going through a little on myself. And I want to let you know. It's not always easy to get up and once again start another week, start another sermon, start another study. Discouraged. But you know what? You've got to keep working no matter what. Because if you don't sow the seed, shout it out. You can't reap the harvest. You've got to keep working. It doesn't matter the climate of the day. But boy, America is turning its back on God. Keep working. Keep working. Well, it's getting hard, and I have this problem and that. Keep working. The problem, notice this. The problem is going to be there whether you keep working or not. But if you keep working, you can be the solution 
one soul at a time to a harvest of souls. Discouraged, of course you are. Overwhelmed, of course. But the second law of the harvest I learned at Sugar Tree Ridge United Methodist Church back in the early 70s. You keep working no matter what. You may be more wrinkled than Ernest Saunders had, but he kept working. I remember Brother Saunders as he would come. We started a little men's quartet, Southern Gospel Quartet at the church. We called them the Ridge Men. You've never heard of them because that's about as far as it went. But he sang a baritone. I was a tenor in those days. <laughs> we had others that were a bass, and one, his son sang lead. He didn't wear his hat when he came in to practice because that was just sheer joy, singing the praises about the God that he served. Strong testimony. He just kept working in the fields. The third basic rule of harvesting, be ready at all times. The exact right time to get into the fields to prepare the field for planting. The exact right time to plant. The exact right time to have things in readiness. Because the climates and the seasons, you can hear them on the, on the channel saying, well, you know, they can't get into the fields right now. It's too wet. But you know this. They're ready when they can. They're waiting. It used to be hilarious. I kidded some of my farmer brothers. They knew the farmer's almanac better than they knew Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They could, you, you really believe that? Well, it's worked in the past. And, and surprisingly enough, they went by it and they but they went by it with a work ethic. They were ready when the time was available. They had to make hay while the sun shined. They couldn't wait and leave it in the field. Be ready. Someone may be praying for the person in front of you in line at Walmart. They're running from God. They're messed up. But somebody's been praying for him, and God has put you at the right spot. If you're not ready, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it if you're not ready. If you're too much of in a hurry to get where you're going, it may be a good place. Aren't you glad that Peter and John weren't in too much of a hurry when they went up to the temple? I mean, they were running late. The prayer time had already started without them. How many of you know some people that are just perpetually late? Now, they could have rushed right by that guy. But that day, the Holy Spirit spoke to their heart to stop and give a listen to a lame man 
that had been there every day. They hadn't stopped before, obviously. But that day was the day when God says, stop and talk to him. And they're rushing. John, come on, we're, we're late already. Come on, John, pick it up. Come on, come on, John. John starts chugging along and Peter's trying to keep up with him. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit stops them in their tracks and point them to this lame man sitting over there. And you got to imagine the way Peter was. Really? Lord, really? You know we're running late. Well, you're not late on my schedule. You're right on time. And the man looked up expecting to receive something. The Holy Spirit moved upon Peter and said, silver and gold, nah, we don't have any. But what we've got, we're going to give you. I've got some good seed to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately, the time was right because they were ready to be used of God even when they were running late. And a man walked and danced and jumped up the stairs. He'd never been up to the Temple Mount before. It was against the rules in the Old Testament for a cripple to go up there. And I believe God put that in the Old Testament law for that moment right then. Because he was supposed to, if he was healed, he was to go up and present himself up to the high priest and let him know that he can come up to worship now. And that man, he walked and leaped and jumped and hollered and ran all over the Temple Mount. And the people said, who is that guy? He looks like the lame guy down at the base, but that can't be. He can't walk. But then he began to tell him, they told me, rise up in the name of Jesus, and I'm walking. Caused quite a stir. Thousands were saved because Peter and John were ready when God was ready. And the man was ready. And the situation was right. Be ready. You see, we've got to realize that you've got to be ready. Jesus used many illustrations about it, about readiness. Two will be in the field, one taken, the other left. Who, who got to be taken? The one who was ready. God wants to use you in sowing the seed where you are, wherever you are, whenever you are, to whosoever. And he has a strategy. If you're not ready, you won't sow the seed. And if you don't sow the seed, can't reap the harvest. I got to quickly go here because the, the fourth rule of harvest time is harvesting is hard work it's hard work anybody from a farming background it's hard work it's not for the faint of heart it's all day long and then they put lights on the tractor and you do it all night long and you you you're worn to a frazzle 
They don't get to, the family doesn't get to see dad if he's a farmer at the supper table because he's still out working. They may run a lunch out to him and he'll just keep the tractor rolling. He'll keep it moving because you see, you got to harvest it when you can. It's hard work, long hours, weariness. Galatians tells us in 6 8, 6 9 rather, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. 2 Thessalonians 3, likewise talking about the rapture. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. The pressure is on to get the job done while the sun shines, while it is day. You see, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. When will be my last, last opportunity to share the seed of the Word of God with somebody? I don't know when that will be. I don't know when that will be, and neither do you. But if you don't sow the seed, you can't reap the harvest. It's the law. It's the rules that God set in motion. Successful farming is not measured by how great your field looks full of produce, how high the corn, how yellow the wheat. Your success only counts when you get it into the barn safe. If it stays in the field, it's lost. Jesus looked out at a harvest of souls and he said, the field is ready for harvest, but I'm short some workers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into the field. Bringing it into the barn is just as important as sowing the seed in the ground. He said, well, we've sown the seed, but if we don't reap the harvest, if we're not ready, to reap the harvest. It's all in vain. It's hard work. Don't grow weary in it. You say, but I've tried and I've tried and I haven't seen any, any productive fruit. You see, if you've sown the word of God and you're ready to be used of God, that's all God expects of you. He's the one who brings the increase. Amen? That's what my Bible says. He's the one that brings. Not a one of us can save a soul. Not a one of us can give eternal life to a person. We can only sow the seed. And the life giver can give them life. The fifth law of the harvest. Harvest brings great rejoicing. Oh, I remember. <laughs> now, farmers have a reputation and the farmers and Sugar Tree Ridge had this same thing. They, they tended to be just on the, the negative side. But if you've been around, well, yeah, it's good. Well, yeah. yeah probably, oh, my. And, yeah, I don't know if it's, I don't think that, I don't think it. And the, the, you know what they're doing? They're keeping themselves from disappointment because they don't know what the harvest is going to be till they harvest it. Their future, they're just one harvest away 
or bad harvest away from losing everything because they've taken out loans on their property and equipment to buy the seed and the gas to make the harvest happen. And if it's decimated by weather or whatever, they've lost everything. So they keep their expectations low. They work hard through every disappointment, every discouragement, good days and bad. They keep going, but oh my goodness, it was different having church at Sugar Tree Ridge and Saunders Chapel and Fairfax after a good harvest. Oh my goodness, it was night and day. I mean, we'd been singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet. But boy, after a good harvest, Amazing Grace, how sweet. I mean, they were shouting. They were praising God. They had a glow about them. You couldn't wipe the smile off their face if you tried. Oh, they were going to go out shopping the next week. Oh, we needed a new this and a new that. And the wife is happy and everybody's happy. And there was a climate of rejoicing after a good harvest. You see, if you've sown the seed or been a part of sowing the seed, you have every right to rejoice in the harvest. It's a grand celebration. But if you haven't sown the seed, you can't reap the harvest and you don't get to rejoice on the other side of it. Luke chapter 15 and 7 says, I say to you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. And Psalm 126, 5 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Oh, they love to sing that at Sugar Tree Ridge. Long about harvest time. If you look at the words of that old song, that old gospel song, sowing seeds in bad times and good, but we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the, in the sheaves. You say, but I, I didn't personally sow it. No, but you sent somebody to sow it, and you supported them financially. You, you gave your, your offerings over and above your tithe. and You see, we're a part of the sowing that's going on. We're, uh, Luke 15 and verses 9 and 10 says, And when she had found it, this woman who had lost these coins, she called her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. There's rejoicing when you've sown the seed. You know, when I hear missionary reports, if I have not been involved in supporting them in my giving, in my praying, 
I can't rejoice quite as much in their story because I wasn't a part of sowing the seed. And if you don't sow the seed, you can't reap the harvest. And if you can't reap the harvest, you can't have the rejoicing. But I'm intending here, and Trinity is always from its beginnings in the late 30s, 1930s, has been sowing seed around the world every year. At any given time, the sun does not set upon places where the seed of God's word has not been sown through the participation of brothers and sisters here at Trinity Assembly of God. People have sent out finances. People have gone out and served in various capacities and ministered. And we've been taking care of our missionaries here and supporting them. Even when there were lean financial times in the church, every missionary always got their support from here at Trinity. You have some rejoicing ahead of you, my friends, but you don't get the rejoicing if you haven't helped sow the seed. On Missions Month here, we remind people that we have a part in the sowing through our faith promises. We're making a statement, this card that you have in your bulletin today, with God's help, as God enables me, I will help take the message of Jesus into the world, into all the world, by giving through the missions program at Trinity Assembly of God Church. Not a single dime stays here. It all goes to our missionaries. You can make a faith promise with God's help. This is what I'm going to do on a weekly, monthly basis. You can make a one-time gift. You say, well, why do I have to sign it? Because we generally, when we sign our name, we mean business. It's a covenant between you and God. And you've made it as a public proclamation. We call it faith promise because it's not what you have in your pocket. It's what you have in your faith account. How many believe that God can provide for our missionaries around the globe. How many of you believe that God is able, if you make an investment, he's able to multiply it to its intended use? How many of you believe that if you give first to God, God's going to take care of you? That's what faith promise is all about. We give our tithes to the Lord. We bring our offerings to the Lord. And we sow the seed of the Word of God. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. I'll give you a second to shout about this. Imagine you're in heaven right now. That doesn't excite anybody. You're in heaven right now. Got a new body. Got no pain. No issues, no problems. You're dressed in white. You're around the throne of God. There's no sickness or death. There's no evil allowed in that place. You're surrounded by 10 million times 10 millions of souls who've received Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they're shouting and singing. Can you imagine? 
the noise. Anybody got a happy shout? Anybody got an imagination here? Some of you do. I got imagination. Would you stand with me for just a moment? Imagine yourself standing. And in your imagination, look around. 10,000 times 10,000s of believers. Ever, as far as you look, there's people with their hands raised up, shouting praise to God. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. And oh, in a glorified, anointed voice, you're singing like you never sang before. You've got goosebumps on your goosebumps. You're thrilled to be in the presence of the Lord. You made it home. Hallelujah. You made it home. Can anybody get excited about it? And as you're praising God, imagine with me. Somebody walks up to you and said, Hello, my name is Rakim. I was born and raised in a Muslim family in Madagascar. You don't know me, but I know you. You say, well, how? Well, there was a missionary. He and his wife came to our village. His name was Jay, and hers was Carrie Rostifer. And they told me about Jesus and his great love and all the hate I had for Christians melted away because I became one that day. And my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life and I stand here today alongside you in a place called heaven. And you say, but why are you telling me this? Because that missionary told me that a, a group of people from a little tiny church in Columbus, Ohio, called Trinity, sent money every month so that the Rastafers could tell people in Madagascar that Jesus loves them. And the Holy Spirit has borne witness this day, and I searched for you in this massive crowd who are shouting and praising, could we praise God together because you sowed the seed and I am the harvest. But if you don't sow the seed, you can't reap the harvest. Today, our invitation is a simple one. If you could take that faith promise card and pray over it, what God would have you to do. You say, well, I, I don't make quick decisions. Okay, take it home with you. Bring it back later. How many of you think that God might have a figure in mind and give you the faith to rise up to it? That's one part of our invitation today is to come and say, Lord, what would you have me to do to sow the seed?
around the world. My tithes keep the doors of this building open and the outreaches here. My offerings, my faith promise helps spread the message around the world. And with God's help, I will give. The second part is to come and pray for our missionaries around the world. They're helping you sow the seed that changes people's eternity forever. As the worship team returns, the laws of the harvest that I learned in a tiny little church outside of Hillsboro, Ohio. And I'm reminded of today, if you don't sow the seed, you can't reach the harvest. I need my deacons, my pastors to be down here ready to pray with anyone to come. Maybe you've come with sickness and you need prayer for healing. You want someone to pray with you. If other matters, this altar is open for you to come and talk it over with the Lord, what the Lord would have you to do to sow the seed around the world. To come and pray for missionaries, to stand beside the flags, to pray for God's touch upon the missionaries as they sow the seed.
receive in faith. Meet us at the place of prayer today, Father. Meet us as we pray for our missionaries. Meet us as we ask your guidance in what we can give to sow the seed around the world. We give you praise, Father God, in the mighty name of the Master of the Harvest, Jesus Christ, the Word, the Seed, the Master. Amen. Would you come and find a place of prayer? Would you be so bold as to bring your faith promises and lay it down and pray with you? Would you be so bold as to come and stand beside a flag and begin to pray for our missionaries around the globe? If there's a need that you have for prayer, come to the center. The brethren will come and pray for you. God's still able to heal. shared what the Lord laid upon my heart to share. Lessons from a little tiny church full of farmers. But the laws are still in place today. And the Lord of the harvest is still needing workers. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for missionaries to come forward to show the word as well.
Yeah. 